This episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast is sponsored by LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Visit the experts at your local store or go to llflooring.com forward slash pro to learn more. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey folks, my name is Doug and welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast where one of my ongoing themes is not having enough time. Not enough time to podcast. Not enough time to do home improvements. Well, I certainly couldn't use that excuse this year, now could I? Like a lot of people, I found myself temporarily unemployed with nothing to do. In my case, it was for about two months, from mid-March until the middle of May, while the powers that be tried to get a grip on the pandemic. Now, you'd think that that would have been a great opportunity to get some stuff done without the pesky distraction of, you know, having to go to work. But as usual, I have a number of excuses. Reasons why this wasn't the case. Now. I did do a lot of work on the website, but home improvements? Not so much. Overall, kudos to the Canadian government and the government of my province of Ontario who have handled things reasonably well, considering. The feds did a good job of getting money into the hands of people. We got $500 per week in relief. Of course, It will be taxed come next April, and some people may have to pay some of it or all of it back. But in such an uncertain time, having that money was a good thing. But our bills did not go away. And $500 a week, while generous, is much less than what my job pays. So cash flow slowed to a trickle. On the upside, I saved on gas because I wasn't driving to work, but the extra money just wasn't there in order to be able to rush out and buy building materials. We weren't completely locked down, but we were more or less under a safer-at-home type of advisory. A lot of stores were shutting down, but hardware stores like Home Depot and Lowe's were considered essential services and remained open because they sell plumbing and electrical supplies necessary for repairs. However, I couldn't make the argument that framing and drywall were essential, but that's just me. And apparently I was in the minority. Besides, it really didn't seem like a good idea to pick through COVID-encrusted two-by-fours and stand in line with the pandemic-infested masses of do-it-yourselfers at Home Depot when we didn't know just what it was that we were dealing with. And, to be honest, I doubt my wife would have allowed me to make a Home Depot run under those circumstances anyway. After a while, these stores went to curbside delivery only, and when that happened, well... I wasn't about to trust someone else to pick out my lumber for me. On the other hand, 
one of my co-workers bragged about how much he got done during the time that we were off. Repainted his entire house, he did. Did a lot of other home improvements, too. Apparently, he did not have the same moral dilemma or reservations that I did. While clothing retailers and restaurants have been hit particularly hard by the economic downturn resulting from the pandemic, the DIY sector has done pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, Generally speaking, people had more time to tackle projects around the house. And this is important. Because people were spending more time at home, they spent more time looking around and seeing stuff that they needed to do around the house or just general improvements that they wanted to make. Anyway, one of the more common home improvement articles that you will find on the interwebs is the home improvements that give you the biggest return or increase the value of your house. The... um. TLDR on this is curb appeal, like a new garage door or painting your front door. Offer the biggest bang for your buck. And of course, there's the perennial favorites, kitchens and bathrooms. Less common are the articles about what home improvements can actually decrease the value of your home. Well, In July, I came across a couple of articles out of the UK about this very topic. They appeared on the mirror.co.uk website and the scotsman.com website. And they both cite the same source. And I quote, Sofa and Carpeting Specialist, SCS, partnered up with real estate agents to find out which home improvements decrease your market value the most. Now, me thinks that these might have been sponsored posts, but I found their conclusions interesting nonetheless, and I would like to share them here and add a few of my own thoughts. I must stress here that I have no affiliation with either publication nor the retailer that compiled the information, and I am not being compensated by them for the production of this podcast in any way. The Mirror listed five. The Scotsman listed those five plus five more, and I will link to both articles in the show notes. And while these are UK-based opinions, I believe they are fairly universal. So, let's get started. Coming in with a potential 4% hit to your property value. Adding quirky tile. Now, this is a matter of taste. And if a potential buyer doesn't share your unique taste, they will think about how much it's going to cost them to replace it. So it's best to keep your tile neutral. I will add, though, that your house only needs one buyer when you decide to sell. And some buyers may appreciate a house with personality. But those buyers are harder to find. Who's kidding who? Uh, Neutral does not appeal to anyone. It's boring. But it's easier to add personality with non-permanent decorating like towels and curtains and rugs. Stuff that can be removed to reveal a blank slate. Adding a poor quality conservatory or sunroom can shave up to 5% off your property value. 
if they are poorly built or badly placed. Now, some issues might be leaks, clouded or cracked glass, or the lack of privacy. Wow. You know, when you surround yourself with glass, privacy kind of goes out the um, window. The point is that the privacy thing is a tough argument to make. You wouldn't have any more privacy on a deck or a patio. But the maintenance and repair concerns are legitimate. And what they don't mention is the fact that these rooms can be difficult to heat and cool. So there is a usability factor to consider. Is it a three-season room or a four-season room? How expensive is it to heat in the winter? Does it become a greenhouse in the summer? More importantly, how many buyers are actually looking for this kind of feature Or will it just be seen as wasted space by someone who would rather be outside on a deck or a patio? Also coming in with a 5% reduction in property value, installing poor quality windows or doors. Curb appeal adds value. Poor curb appeal reduces it. You don't want your first impression to be a cheap door that you can buy off the shelf at the building center. Poor quality windows can be off-putting, to quote my source material. And let me clarify this point. Vinyl replacement windows may be fine in some neighborhoods, but not in more upscale areas. You want your windows to fit the architecture of your house. And if you still have the original drafty single-pane windows a potential buyer will want to replace those and take that cost into consideration when they present their offer. What they refer to as meddling with key appliances can also take 5% off the property value. What they mean is messing with gas or electric systems, and I would add here plumbing, if it isn't done properly, could decrease your property value. Simply put, amateur DIY, if it's obviously amateur, can be seen as something that needs to be redone by a professional. Now here I will argue that 5% may be a low estimate in some cases. And there are plenty of potential buyers who will simply walk away if they think something is dangerous or expensive to repair. In the U.S. and Canada, of course, there are laws and local regulations regarding who can and cannot work on these systems, and permits and inspections are usually required. So one would assume that even DIY work, if it has been inspected, will not appear amateur. Yet, there are still people who do this kind of work under the table, away from the prying eyes of the man. And if their visible handiwork appears amateurish, then the potential buyer will assume that there are going to be a lot of hidden problems as well. You can expect your property value to be reduced by up to 7% if you install lavish garden features, including swimming pools. Let's address the pools first. A pool that can only be used for half a year might be seen as a hole that you throw money into and nothing more. There's the upkeep, 
the cleaning, the chemicals. There's the expenses like electricity for the pump. There's the hassle of opening the pool at the start of the season and closing it at the end of the season. And of course, there is the safety issue when there are pets or young children involved. Personally, I never looked at a house if it had a pool because my first thought would be, how much is it going to cost me to get rid of this thing and fill in the hole? But I think a lot really depends on your location. Would anyone buy a house in LA or Phoenix if it did not have a pool? What if every other house in your neighborhood has a pool? Wouldn't buyers expect your house to have a pool as well? And sure, you could always add a pool, but if a buyer wants to add a pool, that's going to be a significant expense that they will take into consideration when making the offer. And in places like LA, where the permit process can be a long drawn out hassle, they might simply move on. And then you have ornate gardens. Here's an example. The couple that lived across the street from us when I was growing up had turned their backyard into a showpiece. We are talking about plants and flowers, bird baths, statues, and a walking path. It wasn't quite the gardens of Versailles, but in our suburban neighborhood, there was nothing else like it. Now, imagine a young family buying that house. They would want the backyard space for their kids to run around and play in. And that backyard was not kid-friendly by any stretch of the imagination. Removing plants and redoing the landscape would be a big job. And even if you wanted to keep the garden as is, it's going to be a lot of work. Now, a retiree might have time to putter around the garden all day, and in fact, they might even enjoy it. But someone who works all week probably won't have the time or energy for something that is so high maintenance. At our money pit house, the previous owner had planted various shrubs in a patch next to the driveway. It was probably quite nice at one time, but those shrubs grew and were a haven for mosquitoes at dusk. And nobody wants to get eaten alive on their way to their car. And in our current house, we have a beautiful Japanese maple next to the driveway near the road. This probably wasn't an issue when it was planted, but now that it's bigger, it encroaches on the driveway and the road and is getting more and more difficult to trim and remain aesthetically pleasing. Plus, there are various underground utilities in that area that it may eventually interfere with. So it is at that point where it could now have a negative impact on our property value. Okay, we've been talking about some of the ways that you can negatively affect your property value, and we will get back to that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about one way that you can add value to your home, and that is to choose quality flooring. And if you're looking for quality flooring, you can find it at LL Flooring. LL Flooring is one of America's largest specialty retailers of hard surface flooring. They understand that your floor is the foundation of your home style. That's why they offer over 400 floors, all at the best value, including Bella Wood hardwood floors, which are backed 
by a transferable 100-year warranty. Visit one of their over 400 stores to find the right hardwood, waterproof vinyl, laminate, bamboo, or tile flooring for your style. Their flooring experts will guide you every step of the way, from finding the perfect floor for your project to arranging safe, professional installation. Allow Flooring has a variety of digital tools to help you transform your home. Use their Floor Finder tool to discover the best options for your project, and then use Picture It, their online visualizer to see your new floor in your space before you install. For store locations, style advice, and more, visit llflooring.com forward slash pro. Again, that's llflooring.com forward slash pro. These are the floors homes are built on. LL Flooring. And now, back to the negative. Converting a garage can erase up to 7% of your property value. Apparently, taking an unused garage and turning it into living space is a bad idea. Go figure. I guess the man cave is out. I guess the workout space is out. The reasoning is that you are eliminating parking and storage space. Now, far be it from me to disagree with the experts, but I have to disagree with the experts on this one. It all comes down to how that conversion is done. Now, I will admit, I have seen garages converted into family rooms. The doors replaced with framing and finished with siding or brick. Ductwork is extended from the furnace and air conditioner, which turns it into real interior space. Now, I suppose you could restore that space to its original garageness, but it would be very difficult and expensive. And if you're using the garage for parking, you don't want it connected to the house with ductwork. That's a huge no-no under the building code because you don't want exhaust fumes being drawn into the house. However, if you keep the garage as a separate entity, then why can't you do what you want with the space? Heating and cooling can be accomplished with a split ductless system or a separate heater and air conditioner. And that would be a selling point for any garage, which may be used as a workshop or a space to wrench on cars. A man cave with TV and chairs or sofas wouldn't be difficult to convert back. Just keep everything modular so it won't be too difficult to gut the space. I have seen garage doors replaced with sliding doors or screens, turning them into more of an indoor patio. As long as it's easy to reinstall a traditional garage door in that opening, there shouldn't be too much of a problem. And stick with a floating floor for the same reason, so it will be easy to uncover the original concrete in the future. Just don't open up any walls between the garage and the house, beyond whatever entry door may already be there. And you should be fine. Not everyone uses their garage the same way. Some people use it strictly for parking. Other people use it as a mechanic's garage where they may be restoring or souping up that muscle car. Other people use it for woodworking or welding or other fabrication. 
And some garages are used for storage. There's so much crap in there that there's no room for a car. Now, speaking from the perspective of someone who's seen a lot of garages when looking at houses, keep in mind that my garage will be used for woodworking. I was inside this four-car garage once. Lots of space for woodworking machines and assembly tables, but the guy used it to work on cars, so there were a lot of oil stains and it reeked of automotive fluids. And that kind of took me out of it. While this garage was a true garage by definition, I had difficulty seeing myself in it. I mean, a four-car garage. But I could only see the work that it was going to take to transform it from automotive to woodworking. To me, I think it's more important that whatever the space is used for, that it's not cluttered. That it's easy to see the size and potential uses of that space. And that it's relatively easy to convert back to a garage if it's being used for something else. Who knows, a man cave might be a better selling point and command a higher price than just a basic garage. But then, I am not an expert. As with any home renovation, tread carefully, and when in doubt, talk to a real estate agent to see how your plans might affect the value of your house in your area. In places where off-street parking is a premium, it's probably never a good idea to remove parking. Returning to the great outdoors. Adding certain plants to your garden can cause you to lose 15% off your property value. Roots of large trees can crack concrete driveways, damage drainage, and even harm the foundation of your house. And they can be costly to maintain if you hire someone to trim and thin out the branches. Some plants can be invasive and cause harm to native species. Climbing ivy can damage the mortar between bricks and cause leaks. Also at 15%, building an extension without the correct planning permission. Actually, they put this at 5-15%. to I'm not sure exactly how they came up with that figure, to be honest, because a lot would depend on how big the extension or addition is and how your local authority deals with it. An illegal addition could kill any potential real estate deal. If the local building department finds out about a non-permitted structure or renovation, they will probably insist on inspecting it, and the current owner might have to apply for appropriate permission. Or they could get slapped with work orders, or they could even be ordered to tear it down. Oddly enough, our money pit house had an addition that was built without correct planning permission. When we signed the papers with the lawyer, it just never came up. He only said that there were no open work orders on the house. When we sold the house, we fully disclosed that there were a number of issues with the addition and that it would have to be rebuilt. But at no point did the legality of the structure enter into the conversation. But the buyer did take into consideration that the addition was going to have to be rebuilt, and we sold the house for about 8% less than our purchase price. So, I guess maybe their estimates really do add up after all. 
Except, of course, that we also invested 50, five zero, 50 percent of our original purchase price in renovating the original part of the house. So we lost that as well because of the addition. But it's tough to say just how much actual value that renovation would have added if the addition was not part of the equation. Converting a bedroom can shave up to 20% off the property value. The value of a house is partially based on the number of bedrooms. Merging two small bedrooms into one large bedroom or sacrificing a bedroom for a new bathroom can really shave the value off your house. But here's the question that I have. Does adding a bedroom add up to 20% of the property value? (laughs) And what about this scenario? You have four small bedrooms and the houses in your neighborhood are a mix of three-bedroom and four-bedroom houses. Would your house lose as much value if you combine two bedrooms into one luxurious master bedroom? You would still have three bedrooms like many of the comps in the neighborhood. And what if you could add a bedroom in the basement? How much more is a five-bedroom house worth? So now, if you combine those bedrooms upstairs, you would still have a four-bedroom house like the comps in your neighborhood. It gets complicated and you can really get bogged down in the details. That's why these are questions to ask a real estate agent who is familiar with your neighborhood. But the general rule of thumb is to not decrease the number of bedrooms. This does kind of remind me of one open house that I went to. There was a large bedroom on the main floor, the master bedroom. On the upper floor, there were two bedrooms with a smaller room in between that was obviously designed to be a bathroom. But there was no plumbing. The homeowner had put down carpet and squeezed a twin bed and a small dresser into that space and called it another bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, you ain't fooling anyone. Didn't add any value. But that didn't stop them from trying to sell the house as a four-bedroom house. And finally, shaving up to a whopping 30% off the value of your home, going open plan, and making mistakes. Here's what they mean by that. Open plan rooms can make your home feel more spacious, but if you make a mistake during the conversion, you could ruin the property, and such damage could be bad for your property value. Basically, if you remove walls to open up the space, you can affect the structure of the house. If you don't address the structure properly, it can be very expensive to fix. Trust me on this one. I know. Been there, done that. Our money pit house had a bevy of structural problems, including having had a load-bearing wall removed and another one weakened. Open plan thing didn't really apply here. Let's just say any structural changes not properly executed will mess you up big time. But the experts in the article don't address the fact that open concept design in general may be on its way out. 
Having a kitchen open to the living room might be great for socializing, but there is nothing to contain the noise and the smells or hide the mess. And the noise and the smells can more easily travel to the sleeping area. While it might be okay to wake up in the morning to the sound and smell of bacon frying, you probably don't want to be trying to sleep at night with a lingering fish odor from your evening meal. And thanks to the pandemic, with more people at home, it turns out that having separate spaces might actually be desirable. Going to the kitchen to cook or do dishes offers some solitude, but not if that kitchen is open to the other chaos that is going on. And with some houses, open plan just doesn't fit in with the architectural style, even if it is done right. And that can affect the property value too. But I do believe their main point with this one was messing up the structural integrity of the house by removing supporting walls is a bad, bad thing. So, to review. Keep the stuff that is difficult to change, like tiles, neutral. Don't cheap out on materials. High-maintenance properties can turn off buyers. Always invest in quality workmanship. Beware of messing with the floor plan. And make sure you do things nice and legal by getting appropriate permits. Otherwise, you could negatively impact the value of your house. So what do you think of this list? Is there anything that you would add? Leave your comments on the show notes page for this episode. And with that, once again, another episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast comes to an end. The website is thumbandhammer.com. You can find me on Twitter at Thumb and Hammer. Questions, suggestions, and comments regarding the podcast or the website are welcomed by email or voicemail at thumbandhammer.com slash contact. And of course, any home improvement questions would be most appreciated. I'll be back soon. Talk to you later. Cheers.